Hello again and welcome. It's that time of year again, the time of year when we order seeds and then we buy seeds and they come in the mail or we find them at flower shows and uh, then we want to sow them. And uh, by my reckoning, it's the end of February, which is the time to start sowing many of our vegetable seeds or at least to get ready to sow them. So I thought maybe I would talk about my versions of sowing seeds, because the way I do it is a little bit different than other people. And I thought maybe I'd just uh, review some of the things that I do when I sow seeds, sowing seeds of vegetables like, uh, I was going to say tomato, well, fruits like tomato and zucchini and, and uh, other things that we might grow in the garden. Uh, I guess one of the first things is where are you going to do this? Uh, if you are sowing vegetable seeds and flower seeds for plants that really need a lot of sun, you have to give those seedlings a lot of light. And I'm saying light because usually we do it under artificial lights. Uh, fluorescent tubes are the most efficient and least expensive to run. And some of those plants, when they're coming up, those little seedlings, the, the top of the seedlings want to be about three inches away from the light. So that's that's a whole lot of light, if not burning sun. Now, a lot of seeds that I do uh, of things that are not giantly sun-loving plants, I'll do in a window, a very sunny window. And even if it's a shade plant, I want that to get at least every bit of sun that it can in an east or west window. Now the problem with the west and the sun and the south, southern facing windows is they can get a little hot and you don't want those seedlings to cook. You're better off doing everything under lights but if you can't um, we'll talk about or I'll talk about how you can do that. So we pick a place uh, very often for the vegetables we want to have a little bit of warmth from below uh, for our seedlings. And if you have a light cart, then the lights on one level will warm up the trays above them, which are under the lights of another level, or you can use a heating mat. I may have lost you already. And if you have questions, please go to kendrews.com uh, or kendrewsrealdirt.com and you can comment and ask questions. But I'll do my best to go through some of the things we need to do when we're starting seeds at home. Well, a lot of people start seeds in big flats or peat pellets or peat pots or compressed cow dung or other organic type things, and I don't do that. I don't even use flats. I start all of my seeds in three and a half inch square pots. Now I say square because if you ever take pots and put them in a flat to carry them around, the square ones will fit together and they won't tip over. Round pots, which have a little bit less surface area too, they'll topple over. So I use three and a half inch square pots. I fill my pots with planting medium, with sowing medium, and I fill it all the way to the top, tamp it down a little bit, and fill it all the way top again. A lot of the books say that you should leave a quarter inch or half inch reservoir at the top for watering the, the seedlings or even keeping the medium moist. Well, I don't do that either. If you've ever had seedlings coming up and you've tried to water them with a watering can and you pour the water in, it'll dislodge them and they'll just float and go all over the place and that kind of ruins the whole thing. I always add water if needed from below. 
But another reason that I put the medium all the way up to the top, I think that having any area of recessed medium is a place that can trap uh, fungal spores, uh, encourage uh, bacteria by having bad air circulation. So I really want to keep that medium right up to the top. And as I said, I water from below. Now, what about that medium? What's the sewing medium? You can go to the store and you can buy uh, a sewing medium, a seed sewing medium. Uh, usually these are mostly peat moss. I think that they're too fine, too finely um, sieved. And you've probably seen this when after a couple of weeks in the container, they get kind of slimy and they, they uh, break down a little bit. And that's really not good because the most important thing for your seedlings or one of the, one of the more important things is excellent hygiene. You want everything to be incredibly clean. Well, I don't use those peat light, as they're called, sewing mediums, uh, because of several things, like I just mentioned, the breaking down, they stay too moist, they don't have enough uh, air circulation, and they don't have enough drainage. And if I was going to use that product, uh, I would add a little more perlite to bulk it up a little bit, or even gravel, tiny uh, gravel to, to open it up a little bit so it has better drainage. But I generally use Quar, which is a byproduct of the coconut growing industry. Uh, it's, it's made from the husks of coconuts. So when they harvest coconuts, they take that husk and they either compost it or they throw it away. Or now they grind it up and compress it into dry bricks and ship it to the United States and other places where it's either made into products or can be used as a, a a sewing and planting medium and you want to get a fine quar. These days you can get quar from mail order sources. I think in the future you'll be able to buy quar at every garden center and nursery and all the supply places too. So I take quar and I use about three parts quar and one part perlite which is exploded volcanic rock. It's that or glass actually. It's that white hard stuff and the thing about perlite that's great is it doesn't compress it doesn't decompose decompose it holds some moisture but more important it holds air and it improves drainage without adding weight so i use quar or i use my own compost or i use a mix of quar and compost if i'm using compost i sieve it through quarter inch hardware cloth which is that welded steel wire um, like fencing it's very fine and I'll just put it on top of that and push it through you may have a riddle which is a, a, a device that's made for sifting soil and for soilless media like compost now of course I said hygiene and this stuff has to be really clean if you buy dry coir you can pretty much count on it being clean it's at least been dry so it doesn't have and it's usually actually baked so it's probably very clean but that compost from outside that is certainly not clean well, what I do with my compost after I sieve it and moisten it so that it's just barely damp it's just slightly cool to the touch I put it in a roasting bag you know those bags they sell at the supermarket for roasting a turkey or roasting a roast uh, I buy those bags I put some of the medium into the bag 
Tie it with the tie that comes with the roasting bag. Put it in a pan and put it in the microwave on full power for 10 minutes. I'm trying to get that medium up to about 160 degrees. If you have an instant read thermometer, that's how you can tell the temperature. Carefully open the bag because it'll have steam in it and you want, don't want that steam to go to burn your hands or your face. And stick that thermometer in and try to get that medium up to 160 degrees. And that's going to kill all the bad pathogens. Next, you want to fill your pots, your three and a half inch square pots, all the way to the rim. Tap them down a little bit and add some to fill them up to the rim again. And then you'll be sowing your seeds. If they're tiny seeds, you can sow a whole lot of them in that three and a half inch pot. If they're bigger seeds like squash, you may only sow about eight to ten seeds in a pot. Uh, I generally push the seeds into the medium to a depth equal to about their size, their width. In so if I have a, a seed that's an eighth inch wide, I'll push it down an eighth inch uh, into the medium and then dust a little bit of medium over to cover them. The next thing is, I think, really important. I use chicken grit which is flaked gra of granite. I don't use the kind that's made out of oyster shell, but you can get chicken grit at farm supplies, and now nowadays you can get it even more places. It used to come only in 80-pound bags and in three grades, and I use kind of the medium grade. But you can buy it now if you can find a, a farm supply, and now with everyone growing chickens, you can, because chickens need grit in their gullets to help them digest their food or, or break it up. And that chicken grit, that perfectly clean chicken grit, I'll cover the seeds and the medium with a layer of one to three, if you can imagine, uh, pieces of this fine chicken grit, which is like very coarse sand. Uh, it's, it's a little bit smaller than the perlite. It's usually pretty white in color. And then I take my pots and I'll put them into a pan of water about... Uh, half inch to one inch high and I leave them there to moisten the medium until the grit turns gray which depending on the temperature and the moisture already in the medium can take about usually it's about 30 minutes when the grit turns gray take the pots out put them under the lights or bring them to a very sunny window and I'll talk about the next thing next if you have tiny, tiny seeds like Nicotiana or Begonia or seeds that you know uh, because it says on the back of the packet need light to germinate, I'll do everything I just described except I don't sow the seeds uh, into the medium and cover them with grit. I, I sprinkle them over the grit. And in my experience, the tiny seeds just find their way into the crevices around the little granules of grit and they will sow and it works really, really well. Why do I use grit? Grit is inert. Uh, it doesn't, it's not a good, it's an inhospitable medium for fungal and bacteria. If you've ever sown seeds and you have that, uh, have them keel over after they're up, the seedlings are up, that's called damping off. It's a series of bacterial and fungal diseases and the, they just croak. The seedlings fall right over and they're dead. And there's nothing you can do. Well, I've been using grit for about 15 years. Uh, that little layer of grit on top of the sown seeds, or in the case of uh, the tiny ones sprinkled through it, and I haven't had, knock on wood, damping off even once since.
So that's something that I learned from the rock gardeners, and they use that outdoors, but I use it everywhere, indoors everywhere. If you can't find chicken grit, see if you can find parakeet grit or parakeet gravel. Now that used to be just a perfect substitute. It was a very coarse kind of sand. But now the last few times I've tried to get the parakeet gravel, it has additives in it. And that's something that you really want to stay away from. So read the package label. If it just says that it's gravel, it's perfect. You could go to a pet store and see the different parakeet gravels that they might sell because you don't need much. I mean, if you got an 80 pound bag, that would be a complete lifetime supply. Although there's plenty of other uses for grit, which I won't get into right now, including if you have chickens. Or maybe a friend has chickens. Or maybe you want to buy an 80 pound bag and go in with about eight friends and each have your lifetime supplies, 10 pounds. Okay, so we've got our seedlings, seeds sown in our containers. We move them to the warmth that they need also on the back of the packet. And the packet will tell you uh, many other things, including how long it takes for the seedlings to emerge with, with hope. It tells you that. Um, I wrote a book called Making More Plants, which is available and uh, if you want to learn more about all that. But in the back of the book, there's a guide to 750 genera, which could equal tens of thousands of plants. And in the back, it tells you how long it takes for a seed to germinate for each genus. It's kind of a generalization, but I, I found that one thing that happens, especially if you're sowing perennials, it can take months to even years for a seed to germinate. Uh, so it's great to have something that tells you not to throw the pot out or to throw the pot out because nothing's coming up or just be patient. Something's coming up. Uh, so you've got your sown seeds. They're under the lights. They're in the sunny window and then they sprout and the seed seedlings come up. And when the seedlings have their first true leaves. The first leaves that emerge are called the seed leaves. They're usually rounded, or in the case of monocots like corn, they might be just a blade, look like a blade of grass. But most of them are dicots and they'll come up with two seed leaves and the next set of leaves resemble the leaves of the mature plant. And those are the true leaves. When the true leaves are there, you're going to want to move these seedlings out of their three and a half inch pots and into individual cells or individual pots to grow them on and get them ready for the garden. I find one problem that many of us have is that we get a seed packet that may have 50 to 100 tomato seeds in it and we want four plants. Well, one thing you can do is go in with friends and each person gets uh, one or two varieties and then you swap seeds and that's a good way to do it. But uh, in, in many cases, you're supposed to cut their heads off and something I always have trouble with. I end up with too many seedlings and then too many plants, but it's easy to give plants away. So that's that's what I do. So when you have all those seedlings in those three and a half inch pots, and it doesn't happen all at once, uh, you'll have one or two pots one day and one or two pots the next day, uh, you get a flat with cells. Now th those are the large flats are about um, 14 inches by 17 inches, and the cells can be one inch by one inch or larger, and you're going to 
put one seedling into each of those cells. The first, things you, first thing you do is to fill the cells with medium, and you can use the same sewing medium that you were using before, the coir and compost, uh, a mix of those two, maybe three parts coir compost or coir alone, and one part perlite. You fill the cells, and then you're going to make little holes in the cells, maybe with a pencil, and get ready to pot up those seedlings. Now, a lot of the books say that you pry the seedlings out of those three and a half inch pots or out of your flats or whatever you sewed them in, and I find that that damages them pretty much. So what I do is I take those three and a half inch pots and I hold them on their sides and gently agitate the medium and the seedlings and slip them out onto a counter sideways so they're laying on their sides and that may sound difficult but i think it's really easy and then instead of prying them out with a tool with a butter knife or a plant label which really doesn't work i just hold each one from the top by the true leaf and peel it off the pile of seedlings and it just peels right off and then i move the seedling to the flat and into the hole I've made and take a watering small watering can and just holding that true leaf lower it into the hole with a little bit of water that will go right around the roots of the seedling and then you fill your flat and then you have this giant flat which needs as much light as those little seedlings in their three and a half inch pots and that's kind of the next problem if you have a place that you can grow them on or if you have a sunny window or if you have a greenhouse do that and uh, you can cut the flats apart so get ready to share those plants with friends if you don't have enough room or just grow them on in the cells and you can keep them in the cells for quite a while you'll know when they're getting congested the leaves will touch each other and you might find that you're you have to water twice a day and in this case you can water from above because those seedlings are going to grow pretty fast and they're going to be strong and healthy uh, you can add plant food, but you don't have to. Uh, certainly not until this stage, not until the, the little seedlings have been in those cells in the flats for at least a week. And if you want to use a plant food, use an organic liquid plant food and either follow the directions if they seem reasonable or have them or quarter them. Just use a tiny bit of the liquid plant food in your water. Uh, and I would, if anything, err on the low side. And th that goes with almost every product that you're using in the garden, uh, even natural pesticides. Start off uh, using as little as possible and see what happens. Even dish soap and water. So you're going to grow those on under the lights or in a sunny window. And by the time that they're big enough, to go to the garden, let's hope that all danger of frost outside is over. And for me, that can be as late as Memorial Day, which is the, you know, the end of May. Uh, for some people, it's much earlier. But I start my seeds the, the suggested number of days before that last frost date. And for tomatoes, that might be about 90 days. So three months before the end of May, I'll start my seeds indoors. You may want to pot those little plants up once again, especially if it's too early to put them outdoors. You can take them out of the cells. You can squeeze the cells from below, which will make them pop out. 
Uh, in this case, you can use a little tool to pry the entire plant and the medium in the cell out and pot it into, you could go back to those three and a half inch pots with some more sewing medium or even a potting medium that you like uh, and grow them on a little bit more. Uh, when it's time to get them outside, you can't take them from indoors under the lights or in a sunny window and put them right into the garden. They're just going to cook or dry out from desiccating winds. You need to harden them off. And what I do, which is pretty simple, is I take them, the seedlings, in their pots or their flats about a week before I, after the frost, danger of frost is over, but a week before they go into the garden. And I'll put them in a shaded place with a protected from strong winds. Now what a lot of books say is that you take them outside for one hour the first day, two hours the next day, three hours the next day for about a week before you put them in the garden. That's a really good idea, but I'm not always doing that. So generally I'll put them in a shaded place and after a few days I might move them to a little bit brighter place, a place that might get a little bit of morning sun. But you really have to keep your eye on them. You don't want them to be damaged or to lose them at this stage, especially after you've worked so hard. After When they're ready to go in the garden, some of them go right into a planting bed. If they're ornamental plants, they'll go into the perennial bed, or, or if they're annuals, maybe into a cutting garden. But mostly the vegetables are going to go into the vegetable garden. Uh, if I think that it's a little bit early, or maybe they're not hardened off enough, sometimes I make a little hoop out of wire, and I'll cover the seedlings in the soil with uh, an old polyester uh, sheer curtain or something just to protect them a little bit from the sun for a couple of days and for from the breeze if I feel that's necessary. Uh, if I've got something that's a, that I've invested a year in, I'm certainly going to be very careful about what happens. And if you have so many tomato plants, you can do them in batches and try them different ways. And uh, I know it's, it's so hard to kill a plant. Well, I have trouble killing a plant. You're supposed to cut their heads off. Now, I didn't talk about direct sowing. I didn't talk about preparing a bed outdoors, sowing tomato seeds directly in the ground. I think for most of the vegetables and fruits that we're going to be growing annually in the in the vegetable garden or the food garden, we're, we're not going to start them outdoors because tomatoes need a long time to get started. They're tropical plants. Uh, now carrots and radishes, you might sow directly outdoors early in the, in the spring. Just read the packet, follow the directions. But anything that takes a long time to start, you want to start indoors. And you know the season for tomatoes is it's a long season before you have fruiting plants. So if you start them in March, uh, you're going to have three months already under your belt before you put them out in the garden. It's just like buying plants at the nursery or garden center. So read the packets. There's lots of information on them. When I talk to people and lecture on starting plants and making more plants, which I do quite often, uh, people often, people almost always come up and ask about peat moss. And years ago, they, they didn't even know what I was talking about when I said that using peat moss wasn't the greatest thing in the world. But I think people have gotten really educated. And I thought I would talk about why I don't use peat moss once again. Peat moss is the partially decomposed remains of formerly living sphagnum moss from bogs. Because it's 
almost impossible to re-wet once it dries. It repels water and it makes the makes a terrible surface mulch. Even though when you talk to people, what is peat moss used for? They often say it's a mulch. It's the worst mulch. It's usually a soil amendment, and that's what the baled product's mostly sold for. Uh, and it's a poor choice for that too. It, it's incredibly acidic, unbelievably acidic, and it breaks down fast, compressing and squeezing air out of the soil, creating an unhealthy condition for plant roots, and that's one of the reasons that you get that damping off problem. Peat moss sequesters CO2. An enormous amount of CO2 around the world is held in peat and peat bugs. And when it's mined and harvested, that wonderful sequestering uh, ability of peat moss is lost and the CO2 can go into the air, especially if the peat is burned, which it is in many places. Peat moss is even important from an archaeological and anthropological standpoint. Artifacts and even human and animal remains have been preserved for centuries in the anaerobic bogs, and harvesting peat destroys all ancient evidence. Join me again next week for another edition of Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. If you have any comments or questions, you can find me on the website kendrews.com. Thanks, and I'll see you next week.